It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you from Corner of the Galaxy Studios on Monday, April 30th. A, uh, a wonderful day, last day of April, as we get ready to transition into May. Uh, Going to have a great show coming up for you tonight. Lots of controversy surrounding the 3-2 loss over uh, the New York Red Bulls, so we'll see if maybe we can get to the bottom of some of that. Uh, there's some rumors that are surfacing. We have transfer windows coming to a close and all sorts of uh, fun other things as well as maybe an injury update or two as we go along. And joining me, as always, uh, the panda himself, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Uh, Kevin Baxter. Kevin, thanks, buddy. Thanks for, for stopping by. How are you, Pato, my fine feathered friend? <laughs> Just wonderful. Uh, I'm well, tr- I'm, I, well, as is normally the, the case around this time, I have a ridiculous cough. Uh, and so podcasting with a cough is uh, is one of those things I think uh, that that everybody should have to do at least once or twice in their life. Well, that's uh, that's good because we're going to have to blitz through this show anyways. I got somewhere I got to go, so uh, we got to oh, move. Okay, fine. We'll just we'll go. Uh, I have uh, uh, my martial arts class starts tonight. Um, oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna become kung fu panda. Uh, no, <laughs> oh, no. Well, and speaking of exercise classes, you had an interesting exercise class yesterday. I do. Well, I started again as as podcasters and reporters sometimes do. Kevin, I, I tend to sit at my computer and not doing it, do anything. So I had to get back on the exercise scheme, and so I did my rowing class. You know the rowing machines. Um, oh, so I thought you actually went out in a boat. No, why would no? I, that sounds like too much work. This this place is close to my office. I, I can go after work or before work or on the weekends and all that fun stuff. So it, it makes some sense. But um, needless to say, I'm out of shape. I didn't get very far in my rowing machine. In fact, I ended up in the same place I started. Uh, but it was rough, and I will be back doing that again. So, yeah, it'll be. Well, that's a good thing you didn't go in the boat because you might got stuck in the middle of the lagoon or something. So what you're telling me is Corner of the Galaxy from the box was almost Corner of the Galaxy from a pine box. From a pine box or from a, from a boat. Almost, yeah. I mean, it almost it almost feels that way. And and uh, by the way, if I am the pato, then I probably should be on a boat, right? Or at least near water. That's sure. Near water, yeah. Def- well, you're near water. We're in Southern California. We're always near water. That's right. That's how it works. All right, Kevin. Let's get to uh, the LA Galaxy playing the New York Red Bulls. Uh, I don't. <laughs> this one's a tough one. I'm usually pretty level headed, despite what my father says that I hate all referees. I don't hate all referees. I do have a certain amount of disdain for them. And it's usually for games like this that stick in my mind. And I will say that I don't remember a Galaxy game in recent memory that had this much influence put over it by officiating. And I can certainly make an argument, and I think it's a good argument, the Galaxy should have won this game if it wasn't for some shoddy officiating. Yeah, um, well, the one thing, it was uneven. And it looked really bad when you have the the poor offside call on Zlatan on one side and then you go immediately down to the other side, and then it's a really iffy penalty call on Dave Romney on the other end. I mean, it, it, the optics of that is, I mean, it, if you make those two calls, they're both bad calls. But if you make them 45 minutes apart, it doesn't stand out the way th- that one looked. The optics on that were terrible. Yeah, six minutes apart, basically, between those two calls. Between the LA Galaxy coming back from being down 2 nothing and leading 3-2 to losing the game 3-2, uh, is just a matter of six seconds. And listen, uh, let's give the referee one, at least a little bit of credit. The first goal, 
where Ramon Alessandrini scored off of Ola Kamara. That one was offside. Uh, I think that and was. And by the way, that's Ola's third offside call that negated the goal in in three games. That's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know he plays right at the edge and he's fast and, and and he's susceptible to the offside trap and all those things. But still, three goals in three games are taken away be- an offside call on the same guy. That that seems a, a lot to me. Yeah, it feels like it. And it, it also feels like it because they got one of those wrong, it looks like, maybe in Chicago. Or at least it was really close and tight in Chicago. Um, and they screwed it up. So I'm sure he feels aggrieved. Uh, I'm sure that Roman Alessandrini feels aggrieved. I'm sure that Zlatan Ibrahimovic feels aggrieved as well. But let's uh, let's start with the lineup here because it was a different lineup than I think we were expecting. Siggy Schmidt threw a little wrinkle into things. It wasn't anything I was expecting, so it certainly was a, a different lineup, a different format in terms of how all these this stuff went down. But I think it's a good place for us to start because there's a bunch of talking points in this, and, and there's two that are going to run at odds with each other, Kevin. We've already talked about the first one, which is the officiating and how that probably decided the game against the LA Galaxy. And then the other counterpoint to that is the LA Galaxy gave up the first goal of the game again, and that's conti- going to continue to kill them. And that's what you saw in this. But let's start with the lineup because we're going to be able to walk through both of these things with this lineup here. Uh, the LA Galaxy started... And I know that there are other people out there who are going to call it like 17 different things, like a 4-3-3 and all these other things. And we tried to do the math before we actually saw the formation on the field. But what eventually showed up out there, Kevin, was a 4-2-3-1 in a couple different ways. With Kamara being a left wing, Roman Alessandrini being out there on the right wing, Zlatan Ibrahimovic playing the 9, the solo striker role up top, with Giovanni Dos Santos in the 10 position underneath him. That is what actually started. Your, your defensive side of that was Leggett in the midfield and Perry Kitchen in the midfield, and then you had Romney at right back, Siani at center back, which was a little bit of a surprise too. Uh, you had Shelvick at center back and Ashley Cole out on the left with David Bingham in goal. The surprises here for me, Kevin, are Romney at right back, uh, Siani at center back, and Leggett moving into the midfield in, a, in order to allow Kamara to play a left wing role. Those were those were interesting choices. Well, and, you know, again, Kamara, you know, Siggy praised him the week before about doing things he wasn't supposed to be doing, tracking back on defense, hustling, sort of being the, the, the guy who was giving up his position, being unselfish. And then Ziggy doubles down on that by putting him on on the wing. It's not a position he's comfortable with. It's not one he wants to play. It's funny he had talked in training about the four four two. This is Kamara talking about the four four two and how it was an adjustment. It's not what they played in in the preseason. It's not what they played in training. Uh, and now they're having to adjust that. But he said, "Look, it's a basic formation. Everyone's played it. We can make this adjustment." He must have been saying that at a time when he knew this new formation was a possibility. But, you know, talk about changing things up. This, right. Everybody looked like they were out of position, basically. It, which is certainly a criticism that you may be able to level against Siggy Schmidt is that, you know, if you're having to put all these players into different positions, then is it time to sit there and think that maybe Zlatan or Kamara needs to go to the bench in order to get back to a formation that, that suits the Galaxy better? I'll, I'll say this just off the top, though. I thought the Galaxy offense was pretty good on the night. They put four balls in the back of the net, Kevin, and, you know, three of those should have counted. So I, I see the offense as being actually rather productive in that, and I look at somebody like Giovanni Dos Santos, who obviously has taken a ton of criticism and, and, and scored a goal in this game, and it's his first goal in basically 11 months. Uh, I think his last goal was on May 27th. Uh, and it was where he, when he scored two goals against the San Jose Earthquakes in a 4-2 win up in San Jose. I was actually at that game, so I remember that game. Um, 
So, so looking at these things, I mean, I think that the formation may have actually worked pretty well. It's just that, again, you're seeing the downside of Siggy Schmidt and maybe his, his conservative approach to the game, which is he's trying to rely... If you have... If, Kevin, if I asked you, what's better on the LA Galaxy? Is the offense better when you look at the players, not necessarily the results, but when you look at the players, is the offense better or the defense be- the better part of the LA Galaxy? Well, clearly the offense is the strength. When you have a guy like Zlatan, you have Alessandrini, the two Dos Santos brothers. I mean, just when you look at what these people are capable of doing, clearly the the uh, the offense, and, and, and I like the midfield a lot, and clearly right. that's the strength, and I think that's why they brought in a guy like Perry Kitchen to sort of um, you know, play behind those guys and sort of clean up some of the messes that they that you expect them to leave behind going forward. Yeah. It, you know, it looked like a team that was designed to attack, but it, it hasn't been doing that all season. And and see that's the thing. It's if you're going to be conservative, which I will certainly pin on Siggy Schmidt right now. If you're going to be a conservative team, you you want to play with the ball around in the back. You want to make sure you know that you're setting your offense up. If you're going to be that way and you're not going to throw bodies forward and so, then you're going to have problems when you rely when you make the strength of your tactics, the defense when the offense is the strength of your players. And right now, that's really what I'm seeing. And again, you know, we've talked about the errors, and I don't think the defense has been that bad. In fact, I think the defense as a whole did okay on the night. You look at two counterattack goals that really got created there, and I can certainly point a finger at Shelvick, um, who I thought had a pretty poor night overall. Uh, Siggy Schmidt praised Siani in center back. I didn't think Siani had a great night, but he was okay. Uh, Ashley Cole is Ashley Cole, and he just continues to sort of be a consistent performer. And out of all of them, I thought the best player was probably Dave Romney. And I know that over at LA Galaxy Confidential, they gave him the worst rating out of anybody on the team, which makes me think that nobody over there actually watched that game. Dave Romney had the highest passing percentage on the team and the third most passes on the team. And he well, was. He, and if you look at that, there was. I was going to say. And, and you, Go ahead. You talked about Shelvick. He was Shelvick was involved in both New York goals. Yes, yes, the ones from no, the run of play. Say, yeah. Shel- you talked about Shelvick. Yeah, he was involved in both New York goals. He he was beaten on the pass in the first one. The Bradley Wright Phillips pass went went right past him. Uh, he seemed to be late to arrive on that one. And then the second one, it was his header. Uh, he tried to head the ball forward. It came right back at him, and then he was beat on the counterattack. So. He was really susceptible to, uh, uh, you know, to New York's attack on both of the goals. Yeah. So, and again, I think overall the defense played okay. When you look at that, you gave up two counterattack goals. You're not counting the handball on Romney, and we'll get into that in a little bit as well. But you look at that, and I thought the defense played okay. But again, it's the counterattacks. It's where the ball is being turned over. It's who has the ball, who's controlling the ball when that happens. And when you look at the Galaxy offense right now, uh, one of their key roles is to get the outside backs, Ashley Cole and Dave Romney, involved in that attack. And if you do that, you're going to pull them out of position, which means that Perry Kitchen, and in this case, Sebastian Legit, need to play defense and cover for those on those quick turnarounds. Um, and so when you look at that, that's that's where I see the downfall of this Galaxy um, you know, offense and, and the Galaxy tactics right now, it is that they're not being aggr- as aggressive on offense as they should be. And I will say that there were for large portions of the night, Kevin, you saw six, sometimes I think even seven players up on the high line of New York trying to create something without much movement. I did not enjoy the movement off the ball from the Galaxy offense. And having said that, they still put four balls in the back of the net on the night. Well, when you talk about that, the, the you know six or seven attackers up front, 
that's where it's difficult for a guy like Perry Kitchen or, or Legette in this in this game to know where sort of where to go. Yes, the Galaxy got beat twice on counterattack. That you would think that's where Kitchen and Legette should have been. They should have been helping out as as especially Perry Kitchen as more of a defensive midfielder. But then if you're pushing forward on the attack, it, it that's got to fall to your back line. You, your center backs, I think, have to hang back a little bit. And in, in the case of the second goal, certainly, um, Shelvick kind of went back by himself. There was nobody behind him, and he turned the ball over at midfield. So there should have been somebody back there, or at least close. And uh, the other the other play was, you, you know, the other counterattack where Bradley Wright Phillips got a, a, a ball over the top. He came in between Cole and Shelvick. And so, again, where where are your center backs? Where are those guys? How come they weren't back there helping out? Yeah, and they are, and they're just they're not doing a, a good enough job again. I thought uh, Shelvick was the worst out of the defenders on the night. Um, Siani was probably second, so you had a weak center back pairing there, and that's something that you have to take a look at. I thought Ashley Cole and Dave Romney actually played well uh, on the night. I, I thought that Roman Alessandrini did a pretty good job. I know he's getting frustrated out there, Kevin, and you can see it, um, but... I just I, I thought that he played well. I thought that Giovanni Dos Santos played okay. Um, it certainly is. I'll tell you this right now, which is maybe a little scary, maybe not. That that position where he played, Kevin, in the middle of the field, underneath Zlatan Ibrahimovic, is where he it, where he is probably the most comfortable I've seen him on in a Galaxy uniform. Is that position right there? And so, if you're going to use him to his strengths, I think that you have to continue to put him in that position if you want him to succeed. But that means that you're going to have to move something or do something like put Kamara out on the left wing. And then the really big question comes like on at Houston this weekend, Kevin, what happens when Jonathan Dos Santos comes in? Who sits and who stays? Well, you know, a couple of things there. First of all, why, why does Gio, why did he play well? Well, a lot of theories on that. Um, but is Ibra maybe a little bit kind of like Kane in the sense that he is going to be forward. He's going to push forward. Uh, he's not going to waste his time playing a lot of defense. He's not going to try to be a playmaker, um, although he serves that role at times. He's such a good passer. But I think Gio understands where the guy in front of him is going to go. I don't think he ever had that chemistry with Giassi's artist um, or anybody else for that matter. So I think he's c- more comfortable with Ibra perhaps than he's been with anybody else, that he knows that Ibra is is going to be in front all the time. He's always looking for a goal, and that that's what his job is, and Gio knows that. Uh, but you mentioned Alessandrini, and I know he has been upset with the formations. He thinks that he's been asked to move around, play different places. I'm not so sure I see that. I mean, isn't he – this formation that they used this weekend, wasn't it kind of set up to put him where he – for a lot of reasons it, they used it. But one of the reasons was it, it put Alessandrini in a position where he is most comfortable, where he likes to play. What what does he have to be upset about anymore? Yeah, well, I mean, it may just be upset about the overall team's performance and how that goes. I mean, that's that's fine. But I agree that in this in this formation – well, basically, let's put it this way. Roman Alessandrini is a striker or a forward – I should probably say a forward – is a forward who masquerades as a midfielder because the guy doesn't play much defense. Um, and I, I know that uh, armchair analyst uh, Matt Doyle put out an Opta chart that shows the average positionings, and then there's a matrix chart that basically shows the passing uh, in between players, and the thicker the lines are, the more interchange there is between players. But the real thing was the average positioning there. It's the average positioning where they're taking touches. 
And what you saw was that, you know, Giovanni Dos Santos's average positioning was up near um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic's average positioning. So they're right next to each other. And Doyle's argument is that that Gio is drawing defenders into Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Instead, if he just dropped back further, he could be separating them. And, and I think there's an argument there. And first of all, I'll start off by saying, Kevin, that Matt Doyle's way smarter than I am whenever it comes to tactics and understanding things and, and how that works. But I will say... And eventually this will get back to Roman Alessandrini, I promise. I didn't take a detour for no reason. Uh, but I will eventually say that, that Zlatan Ibrahimovic dropped deeper on many occasions last uh, at on the game on Saturday. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos pushed forward above Zlatan Ibrahimovic on many occasions on the night as well. And they seem to have a nice seesaw back and forth. You go forward, I drop back. I drop back, you go forward. The whole sort of thing was mixing nicely there, and there was good combination and good interchange between those players and how they worked. And I thought that that made it more difficult for the defense to just basically cover or blanket those guys. Um... Now, now, obviously, Doyle's analysis is that there's too many, that, that Giovanni Dos Santos being next to Ibra is going to draw too many defenders into the same space as Ibra, and therefore it's easier to defend. And that could be the case, but if you're doing averaging positioning, and I have a guy who spends 50% 50 of his time up in front of somebody and 50% of his time back behind somebody, and those two switch back and forth, their average positioning is going to be generally the same area, even though they don't necessarily play in that. And I will say on some occasions that Zlatan and Giovanni Dos Santos were in the same area. Absolutely. But on most of the night, they did a good job of keeping themselves separated enough to where I didn't think that Gio was just absolutely drawing defenders into Zlatan's. And that was the eye test that sort of looks at that. And the whole reason I bring up this Opta chart is because if you looked at Roman Alessandrini's average positioning, his average positioning was basically as a as a 4-3-3, you know, right winger, a, a right striker up there at the top, uh, with Zlatan in the middle and then Kamara on the left, and that's kind of how the Galaxy almost attack when you look at that, which means that Roman Alessandrini isn't playing a whole bunch of defense, Kevin. It means he's not dropping back to help out Dave Romney a whole bunch, and even Romney's average positioning is up into the midfield just like Ashley Coles is. So you see all those things happen and move it, so they're shifting that formation very heavily in terms of offense, but I don't feel like they're they're unlocking the offensive potential that they have. Well, we never saw Allison Greening play a whole lot of defense, I didn't think, last year. But let me ask you this, Pato, the tactical awareness duck. Um, why was Laton taking corner kicks? Oh, God, I wish I knew. Uh, I was talking to—we were talking about this. I was talking to Jeff Carlisle from uh, ESPN FC, uh, and before the game even started, I said hi to him. Jeff has been on this program many times. Um, I, I said hi to Jeff, and he said, hey, first question I have for you. I'm like, yeah. He goes, why was Laton taking corner kicks in the last game? And I was like, you know, it was sort of a flow of the game thing. Like, he wanted to keep things moving, and it was quickly taken, and blah, blah, blah. And I had a really good explanation for it, and I sounded really smart. And then you see Zlatan Ibrahimovic going in there and taking corner kicks again. I don't know why you would take your tallest, uh, most gifted header of the ball, even though he missed a wide-open header in this game that should have resulted in a goal. There was nobody within five yards of his, himself. But anyway, I don't know why you take your, to your tallest target and have him take corner kicks, although it did work, Kevin. Yeah, it did lead to a goal, but you know who never took corner kicks? Alan Gordon. Alan Gordon, yes, yes. Alan Gordon scored for Chicago, by the way, to tie that game yes, up against Yes, he Toronto. did. So just in case you wanted to watch Chicago and Toronto, 2-2 two, two draw Alan Gordon with the game-tying goal there uh, late in the game. But yeah, The no, original Lion. The original, the 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 average man's Alan Gordon? What is it? What, what is Alan? If, if Zlatan is the rich man's Alan Gordon, then what's Alan Gordon? 
then he's the uh, the poor man's Alan Gordon. No, I don't think it, but he's Al- just Alan Gordon. He's just Alan Gordon. I, okay, I, th- I think that's probably works too. Um, but no, I mean it's interesting. I don't like it. I, I don't like it even a little bit. I don't care if it worked. And thanks to Dave Romney's header and, and Giovanni Del Santos's goal, which he scored with his right foot. Um, you know, that really, again, that, that brought the game. I think that tied the game at that point, um, 2-2. Um, yeah, it did. So 59th minute for Ola Kamara, who got a goal, which was a great goal and a great pass by Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You talk about him not being a playmaker, and I think you described it accurately, even though he's really good at it. Um, you know, he, he that was a perfect pass to Kamara. That was perfect. And then Giovanni Dos Santos and his goal. Hey, that's good. The Galaxy scrapped, scraped one together there. Dave Romney heads it down. Gio puts it in. Zlatan from the corner kick. That's great. But I have to imagine that if you're Siggy Schmidt, you're, you're telling Zlatan, hey, don't take corner kicks. Um, and I think it's interesting because if you read his autobiography, he has this thing. And one of the sayings and the themes throughout the entire book is how he listens and, and doesn't listen. And that's sort of the theme here. Maybe he, maybe Siggy Schmidt did say, hey, Zlatan, we'd appreciate it maybe if you didn't take corner kicks. Um, and Zlatan goes, okay, I hear you. And then he says, but I'm not going to listen because this is who I am and this is how I play, that type of thing. But it's interesting. I don't know what that, that's about. It, it certainly seems, in my, in my limited soccer brain here, Kevin, it seems contrary to what we think should happen. Well, there's another thing, too. There's just, you know, whispers and, and things around the team that one of the things Zlatan is getting a little bit critical of some of his teammates. And and in the autobiography, again, that's kind of the way he goes about things. He, he That's the way he motivates and fires people up. And and that's one way to take it. I, I look at it another way, too, is, and, you know, be interesting. I talked to Zlatan a couple of times since he's been here, ask him questions, at, at in, you know, in a, in a press setting. And he's very entertaining and very funny, but when you go back and listen to the tape, you realize he hadn't come close to answering your question. So I have a question for him that I'm sure he's not going to answer, but um, I'd like to know what he thinks about MLS now. I mean, after the game in Chicago and the training in Chicago where where it was bitterly cold and the training facility was horrible, and then this very poorly officiated game where he didn't say anything about the officiating. You know, give him credit. He didn't use that as an excuse. He was very stand-up. But in his heart of hearts, he has to look at that and said, holy crap, this was not like this in the EPL and in Italy or, or anywhere else he played. But he has been a little bit critical privately, not around us, uh, with some of his teammates. And you can look at that and say, well, he's trying to fire them up and, and trying to motivate them fine. But I wonder if part of that, too, is is like he's finally starting to realize that not everybody here is of the caliber of Manchester United players. Otherwise, they'd be Manchester United players. And, and just, it's difficult. That's why, you know, they say in other sports, you know, that the best players never make good managers in baseball and the best hitters never make good hitting coaches. The best hitting coaches are the guys that hit 200 because they understand what a mistake is. They understand how not to, they, they understand how hard it is to be a hitter and they become good coaches. Guys like Ted Williams, it came too easy to them. And I'm wondering if there's a little bit of, not buyer's remorse, but a little bit of Zlatan realizing that he's not in Kansas anymore and that he has to sort of dial down his expectations. Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder, right? Because he's a guy who's used to playing with some of the best players in the world, and and no offense to anybody on the LA Galaxy, but very few of them would even come close to approaching that. Ashley Cole may be the only one who who really gets that. I mean, Roman Alessandrini, for as great as he is, for the LA Galaxy is not a best player in the world type player that Zlatan would ever have played with at you know PSG or or Milan or Inter or, or anywhere else that he's gone uh, Manchester United it just wasn't there I, I think that's always an adjustment I think David Beckham went through that adjustment as well 
um, whenever they understand what it actually means to be, you know, uh, in in Major League Soccer. And I certainly think the officiating has to be a little shocking uh, to Zlatan Ibrahimovic in, in just terms of its quality and its consistency because there was one foul that didn't get called that I swear to God almost ended Sebastian Legette's life. Um, you know, he jumps up for a header and gets clearly undercut and lands on his head. Um, and I thought that was it. I thought he was going to be done. And he got up holding his head and sort of went over to the sideline for a second and looked at everybody and said, are we good? And then ended up playing the rest of the game. But it was so horribly officiated from Alan Chapman uh, I'm, I, and his assistant referees. And, and let's get into that part now because we have a ton of audio that we want to play. Um, one of the things is we're going to focus on trying to get more of the postgame audio up for you guys. But also... Siggy Schmidt didn't hold back on his opinions of VAR, and neither did David Beckham. And when you look at, or David Beckham, David Bingham, it's really close. They're almost, no, they're not even close to the same person. I should, I should really get better with that. David Bingham. Um, and it's, it's because of certain plays for sure, but it's also the way and the perception that the players and the fans and the reporters are seeing it, Kevin, which is, we're never quite sure, not in the press box, and I'm sure down in the, down in the stands, um, we're never quite sure when they actually take a look at something and when they don't. Um, I have told people over and over again that every goal, if you score a goal, it gets reviewed. Okay, that doesn't mean that the re- the center referee stops things, but it gets looked at by the VAR official. It gets taken. It, they they break it down from the time of you know the first contact, that first offensive move is basically what they call it. Um, and in that case, it could be you know a pass from Giovanni dos Santos to Ola Kamara, which ends ends up being offside, even though they played all the way down the field and sent the ball across and all these other things. That first offensive move is where they can go back and check it. So it made perfect sense that they they brought that one back and Ola was offside. And okay, so that's that. Then you go into the one against uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which is certainly controversial. And here's why it's more controversial than just what you're getting from um, guys, you know, from the league on instant replay or any of these, you know, sort of armchair quarterbacks uh, trying to figure this thing out. It's more controversial because the assistant referee on the on the near side who ends up putting his flag up for offside was totally unsure of that call. And Kevin, you and I know he was totally unsure of that call because we watched him start to raise the flag, put his flag back down, start to raise the flag again, stutter again, start to raise the flag, and then finally put it up. And if you're that unsure, and they've taught you this a million times, you have to keep the flag down. And if they keep the flag down on that play, which they should have, because it was so tight that you would have thought, hey, maybe I'm going to let this go. Let's see how this plays out, and if it's really, if it ends up being, I made a huge mistake. VAR is going to catch it because they didn't do that. Um, they the the play on the field basically stands because when you look at the replay, and I've watched it a million times, and again, apparently nobody can see a foot that's hanging out there, and that is the point that has to go straight up in order for Zlatan to be on. And if anything on Zlatan is offside, in my opinion, it is his left arm which can't be offside because you can't play the ball with your arm, so the arm doesn't count, um, then then there's no way VAR overturns it. It's too tight. It's too tight of a call. Um, so it's the unsure, It's the it was the hesitation by that nearside referee, Kevin, that goes beyond just normal error in officiating. It goes beyond not understanding how to do your job. Well, yesterday, Don Garber was asked about uh, the comments by David Bingham, which we'll, I think we're going to hear later, and and just the Galaxy and, and Ziggy Schmidt too, the Galaxy being disappointed and upset with with how the game was officiated, and, and then the, the use or non-use, in this case, of, of VAR. And the commissioner, I thought he was going to sort of 
tee off on the galaxy. Uh, and uh, I know he didn't hand out the discipline, so maybe it was a good cop, bad cop thing, but he really seemed to to feel for the Galaxy and seemed to side with them. He said, you know, it was a very difficult game. It's, it's you know, the VAR is still kind of controversial. And, you know, um, you know uh, he, he walked right up to saying he thought perhaps the Galaxy had a reason to be a little bit disappointed, but was very... Um, sort of gentle with his, it, there was no criticism, I guess. He was very gentle in his approach toward the galaxy and, and sort of getting the the feeling, I got the feeling in listening to him that he thought maybe the galaxy had a reason to be a little bit upset. And Bob Bradley talked about the VAR a couple of weeks ago after the game in Atlanta where they had some problems with the officiating. And, and he said the, that he used to, like Ziggy, used to be a big fan of VAR and isn't so much anymore because he said in his experience, uh, Back in MLS, they didn't have it when he was here before, but in his, his experience back here, his understanding was if you look at it, if you're 50-50 on a play and you're not quite sure uh, about it, then you take a look at the VAR. It's like, I, I need a second look. I need to convince myself that I get this call right. He said the way it seems to be officiated now is, and and then it has to be, uh, you know, unimpeachable evidence. Then you have to clearly see it. Right. But if you're still unsure, then you leave your original call. That's the idea. The original call stands unless there's clear and compelling evidence to overturn that. And he said what he sees in the officials is they say, oh, well, that's a 50-50 call. Not quite sure. Let's take a look. Oh, now it's 60-40. Uh, I think I'm going to make that call. Well, that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to go from 50-50 or 90-10, whatever it is. It's supposed to go to 100%. And if it's not 100%, the original call stands. And uh, I get the impression from Ziggy, from David Bingham, who had some comments about VAR, and then and then also from Bob Bradley, that that's not the way VAR is being used. All right, let's get to some of the audio, because it's enjoyable, and I, I want to start, start it off here. Uh, the first bit of audio is something that you've all been clamoring to hear. Uh, it was one of the first things that I reported whenever I got back out of the locker room. Um, it was a conversation that happened before David Bingham actually came into the scrum. So if you can picture a, uh, a U of reporters that stand at the very end of the locker room, and there is a backdrop there that says LA Galaxy on it, and the players get brought into that U, into that almost like auditorium. It's just a scrum. We call it a scrum. A scrum of reporters, um, and they go back up against the, the backdrop, and then we can ask them questions. So David Bingham is going to be brought into uh, this scrum of reporters, and he has a brief interaction with Ashley Cole, whose lockers isn't, that too, isn't too far away from David's. Uh, so we're going to try to play this now. I'm going to play it once, normal volume, uh, and and we'll see if everybody can hear it. And then the second time, I think I'm going to try to pump the volume up a little bit because, again, this was not ne right next to me. It was a little bit further away. So here is David Bingham and Ashley Cole. David Bingham will start this. Ashley Cole will respond, uh, talking just before they got into the scrum. Ash, help me out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, I know it was quick. Okay, so here's what you're going to hear. David Bingham says, Ash, help me out. Ashley Cole responds with, I'll pay your fines. And David Bingham says, thanks. So one more time, we'll drop the, uh, we'll chump the audio way up here. So here we go. Try it one more time. Listen to it again closely. See if you can make it out. Ash, help me out. I'll pay your fines. Thank you. All right, so this Kevin. You see, the reason the reason yeah. Pato is so far away is he's not actually allowed close to the players, so he has to kind of <laughs> record this from across the room. Yeah, I wish I would. That, that's probably it. No, unfortunately, I, that's that's not how that works, and you know that. Everybody likes me there, almost everybody. Um, no, so so there's David Bingham. Now 
we go into David Bingham where he was actually next to me, so we actually have good audio from it. Uh, and he talks about the refs and the game. So we have a couple different clips here from uh, from goalkeeper David Bingham. I wouldn't say I'm a fan or not a fan. I think today was absolutely horrendous. You have Ebro's a half yard on sides. It hits Dave square in the back. There's a ball mark there. And they say they review it, but who, who's reviewing it? So you're saying three people missed it, the AR missed it, the center missed it, and the VAR guy missed it? If that's the case, they shouldn't ref another game this year because that's just incompetence. All right, just incompetence from that one. Uh, let's continue. But, but let, yeah, let's, go ahead. We got we to clarify something there. When, 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 he's, when he said, uh, I used to be a fan of her, or I'm not sure if I'm a fan of her or not a fan of her, he's talking about VAR at that point. At that part, and then the uh, the Romney part. So he talks about VAR in general, and then the Romney part. He's talking specifically about the the handball call. Yep, he is. And, and on Zlatan's offside, there he's talking about that. Let's go to uh, let's go to continue with him on VAR. At this point, absolutely, I think it's a complete waste of time. What's the point? We've had five goals called back, I think, and two of them are blatantly onside. So, how are you reviewing that? Is it two guys are incompetent and can't see it? That's that's the best question. All right, and he's talking. I think eventually we whittled it down that there were probably four uh, goals uh, that have been called back during the season. Um, so four there. Uh, he was obviously a little upset. Somebody asked him if they thought maybe he should get rid of VAR, and that's why he says absolutely, and, and obviously links it there. And then I think there's a little more with him talking about the game here, and let's wrap up David Bingham. We didn't play our best game. There, there's no if, ands, or buts about that. We know that. It was more kind of sporadic bits and pieces. We played good, and bits and pieces, we let ourselves down. We know that. But at the end of the day, we should have the players decide the game. The refs don't need to decide any of the games. It's They, they want to make a big spectacle. They, they're part of the game. They're not the game. But it seems like tonight they want to be the show. He says they review both of them. How, how do you review it in five seconds? If you review it, you don't even need to go look at it because it's, it's blatantly obvious, and that's what we have VAR for. And if this is what's going to happen, we might as well take it away. The EPL voted against it, and we might as well follow their footsteps at this point. All right, so there we go. Uh, so, so that was David Bingham because I got the Galaxy quote sheet after the game, and you know there were no quotes from David Bingham, and and I found that interesting since the Galaxy also censored some colorful remarks from Zlatan yes. the week before. Yes. Uh, these, by the way, just to be clear, these are grown men. They're professional athletes. They're for the most part intelligent, well-spoken people. Um, the Galaxy bring them into this media scrum so that we can ask them questions and w- that we can get their opinions. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, for uh, on most occasions, a quote sheet comes out, which is re- uh, generally pretty accurate, leaves out some stuff occasionally uh, that, uh, you know, might be off topic. But and it's helpful for us to have a record of that stuff before on deadline. But I, I just find it strange that the last two weeks, the Galaxy apparently have decided to censor their own players, players that they bring to us and allow us to answer questions of them. And then when the, uh, the when the I get, the, I get the, the transcripts come out of the conversations, certain stuff is censored out, and I just don't I just don't understand why they do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I'll give you I'll give you one of their arguments is going to be that they ne- that, that sometimes they don't put everybody's quotes on there, which they don't. If you go and look, they certainly pick and choose. Um, I have less of a problem with them leaving out David. Bay. Actually, that's not true. I do have a problem with it. He, he was the most interesting quote from that night. If you're going to take anybody's quotes, if you were a reporter at that game, you're pulling David Bingham's quotes. 
um, because he was the one who went the hardest at everybody. And obviously, uh, Ashley Cole agreeing to pay the fine beforehand is pretty funny, too. Um, so it's all a great story that goes up to it. And this is what people are going to write about. The game was controversial. Right. And, and when the and if he's fine, when the fines come down, it's going to be, oh, what did he say? When the galaxy is going to be, well, we don't know. We don't have any transcripts of that. Yeah. And, and I'm sure they do somewhere and they just decided not to put it out there. But yeah, I mean, it, it's not like it's not going to have him get him fined. Right. We know that he's going to get fined. Him and Siggy Schmidt are going to get fined. We'll listen to Siggy's comments here in a second. They knew they were going to get fined before they start open their mouth. There's there's no doubt about it. They knew that you heard Bingham choking with Ashley Cole. I don't by the way, I don't know if Ashley Cole's actually going to pay his fines. I would imagine he probably would, though. Um, I was tr- talking with, uh, I think, Jeff Carla again from ESPN FC afterwards. He goes, well, Ashley's kidding. Right. And I'm like. I give it like 50, like 60, 40 chance that Ashley pays the however much money it is. They always say it's under, undisclosed, Kevin. I think we were trying to guess and like it was like 250 bucks or something like that whenever you get fined. But it may be more than that. I have no idea because the release will come out and say undisclosed fine, um, you know, for disparaging remarks made about the officiating crew in the game. So both of those guys are going to get fined. I just, I had a bigger problem with them cutting out Zlatan whenever he said the S word. Um, they basically, it, it was in a sentence. That sentence disappeared, but the quote in te- it was put in whole. So there was no indication that there was ever anything else said in there. Now, you can you can show that you pull stuff out in quotes. That's done all the time. You could separate the quotes. You could do anything. But really, it was just like, oh, we're going to censor this because Zlatan said we played like the S word, and sometimes the S word happens. Well, and and and, he, and it's a guy you bring in because he says those kind of things, and and that you know that's been sort of the the whole um, sales uh, pitch around Laton, and then all of a sudden when he does exactly what they've lauded him for doing, then then you take it out. On the fine thing, I've heard of of other teams and other sports. A lot of there's a lot of different ways around that. Sometimes clubs try to find a way to pay the fine. Especially if it's a coach or manager, their their team employee, you know, their team, uh, the front office employees, they're not part of the union, for example. So um, sometimes the team will try to pay the fine. A lot of times, uh, teammates will take up a collection. So if it's a two hundred and fifty dollar fine, for example, I think it's probably going to be a lot more. But for example, just to use your price, two hundred and fifty dollar fine, everyone on the team throws in ten bucks, and it's taken care of. Um, in other cases, I could definitely see if it was the fine was a little bit bigger and the team didn't take take you know pay for it and. It was too much for teammates to to take up a collection. A guy like Ashley, who's making well, I don't know, he's making more than Bingham. I don't know if considerably amount, uh, considerably more, but um, you know, it might be a little bit more comfortable for him to pay the fine. And he's the captain. I could definitely see him doing that. Yeah, I, I could see him do it too. I could also think that maybe Ashley Cole's made more money over his lifetime than David Bingham right now. Uh, Bingham is making a hundred and seventy-five thousand versus Cole's three seventy-seven. It's significant. He could pay the fine for him if he wanted to. Um, but anyway, hey, just just a little like asides there on some of that stuff. Let's get to uh, Siggy on VAR now because certainly it was hot on Siggy's mind. Um, he was not pleased in the post-game press conference. Um, so let's uh, let's hear a little bit from Siggy Schmidt here. I think you should interview the officials. I thought it was awful. Uh, you know, the VAR, I, I just see here they've got like uh, an assistant uh, video guy, another assistant guy, a replay supervisor, a replay uh, operator, a replay operator assistant, replay operator assistant too, a review assistant, uh, you know, and the guy who's in charge of it. My understanding of the rule is that you don't overturn it unless it's clear and unequivocal. Uh, you watch uh, Ibra's goal, which would have made it 3-2, and uh, 
you know, the linesman ends up calling offside. So, uh, you know, and if you watch the linesman, go and watch the replay of the linesman. You know, he almost dropped the flag. He was so nervous uh, putting the flag up. And, uh, you know, so obviously they felt it was, if, they, if he lets the goal stand, they don't overturn it the other way. So, so because he calls offsides, they feel it's not clear. But when you watch the replay, he's clearly, he's clearly onside. And uh, I don't understand the PK either. But it's harder to see that on replays. But, you know, I, I, I mean, it's just, I think they got the first one right where they called Kamara off. Uh, but uh, um, I've always said I'm a fan of VAR. Uh, but uh, I don't know if I am anymore. All right, I don't know if I am anymore. Him and him and Bingham switching to the other side there, Kevin. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't usually. You can sit there and say again. Uh, you can say that these, you know, the, the the bad calls even themselves out, Kevin, and all this other stuff. They didn't in this case. The Galaxy got jobbed. Um, and you know, you go back to. Um, you go back to Dave Romney and the handball that eventually made it 3-2 and the penalty kick in the 84th minute. Um, looking at VAR and how it goes, I'm, I'm of two minds here. One is that I don't think Alan Chapman actually thought he saw what he actually saw what he thought he saw, and he shouldn't have called the penalty, and he should have kept his arm down. And this is the same argument over his Zlatan. Um, and and you listen to people on the league uh, apparently who don't read any of our stuff at Corner of the Galaxy, Kevin. Um, but they went on instant replay and says it definitely hits his arm. How does it hit his arm whenever there's a ball mark on his back? And as soon as you know that there's a ball mark on his back and you really go back and look at the VAR and the review of that, you can clearly see the ball comes off his back. It goes past his arm and hits his back. Those are, those are indisputable things that you can't argue with. The ball did not hit Dave Romney in the arm. We know that for a fact now. In fact, Ima Boateng took a picture of Dave Romney's back where the ball mark is. It's on his back. I saw the location. Um, so we've seen it. I know where it's at. It didn't hit his arm. So the referees are getting it wrong. And then because VAR isn't as, I think, as robust as it probably should be with the different camera angles and all the other things that they really have, um, you know, they're they're hiding behind clear and obvious language when you can clearly see what happens in these replays. And the other big part of this is that there's no indication, Kevin, that any video review is ever taking place besides whenever an official actually puts his hand to his ear. Then you know that there's actually, they, they need a light. They need a video feed from inside the booth where the VAR official is sitting so that way everybody can go, look, there it is. The red light is on and you can see the video feed of the VAR official working on the computer. We know they're actively taking a look at it. And after every goal, after every red card or possible red card, a little red light should go on and you should see that video feed somewhere in the stadium and on your television broadcast to let you know something is being actively looked at. Because right now they're leaving the players, the coaches, and the fans, uh, including the reporters, uh, completely out in the dark, and it's actually something that I talked to uh, to to Dan Quartermanch about. Um, this is this is something the league needs to address, and they need to do a better job of doing this particular thing of keeping players, fans, coaches, reporters in the know, viewers knowing what's going on during a video review. Because right now they look like a bunch of jokers running around. And Dan Kormash is the director of communications for uh, MLS, if you didn't know that. Um, Ziggy, interestingly, interestingly enough, said the, basically the same thing Bob Bradley said. It's got to be unequivocal. Don't, 
take a guess and then go look at the replay and, and say, oh, okay, now I've got a better guess. You, you've got to know, especially after the replay. You you know, I mean, in, in, in the run of play, I think probably a lot of officials look at it and said, not the 100% sure what I just saw, but here's what I think. we got to keep going. And, and that's fine. You can kind of understand that. But the whole VAR is set up to, to say, okay, when you – when you do do that, when you do say, yeah, that's the best guess, then you can stop and take a look at it. But then you just can't say, now I have a better guess. You have to be 100% certain. And so I think Ziggy and, and Bradley are both saying the same thing. And when you have a number of coaches, now Bingham players, not saying I don't like VAR. I don't, you know, I it, remember when it first came out, it was like it slows the game down and there's stoppage in play. Now they're talking about they're not using it correctly. And and the only time we knew that VAR was used is in the Ola Kamara case because the goal scored and then the referee took it off the board. And the only way you can do that, I think, in that case is, is you know, with VAR. And interestingly enough, um, even more interesting than the fact that you went into the Galaxy locker room and staring at Dave Romney's naked back for quite some time. Yes. Is the fact that the Galaxy, you know, the, the, this is what, three losses in a, in a, in a row at home, correct? Yes, correct. Um, and... This used to be the fortress. This used to be the the place where the galaxy would not be beaten. And now all of a sudden, um, they have calls going against them. You know, I, again, the offside call on Ibrahimovic that, that was one where the referee should have kept the flag down, could have kept the flag down, thought about it a lot. That's to me, and I'm not saying you the, the game is skewed one way or another depending on where it's played. It shouldn't be. It should all be a neutral field. But in reality, it's not. And and clearly that, that assistant referee has no poetry in his soul because it would have been a game-winning goal for Ibra again, you know, a magic, another magic moment. But the point is the Galaxy are struggling at home. They're not scoring. They're not playing well. They're losing. And now the calls are going against them. You know, the call never went against Alex Ferguson at the Theater of Dreams. It rarely went against Bruce Arena, it seemed to me, at home. The Galaxy was unbeatable in the, in the StubHub Center. Now, you know... Um, after some of these calls that go against the Galaxy in their own home stadium. And it just seems like, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it does seem like there's a lot of things that the Galaxy are having to play against at home now. Yeah, it feels like it's more than just the other team, uh, which, I, again, I'm not, I, and I usually am the voice of reason. I'm telling you that if you're a Galaxy fan and you think the Galaxy got jobbed uh, on, 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 this, uh, on this game, you're right, they did. Um, they also shouldn't be allowing the first goal because they've now done that in five of their first eight games and they're one in four in those games. All right, The only win was the LAFC game. So the Galaxy have to stop bleeding goals. So there's two parts to this and I sort of told you that there would be. You can't give up early goals. You gotta stop giving up early goals. And that's on the Galaxy defense, on the Galaxy midfield to fix that. Um, certainly, Shelvick was in a good position to not allow that first goal to happen. And, it did, and he let it in. That's yes, it's a counterattack. Yes, the Galaxy were sprinting back towards their own. Shelvick looked over his shoulder, had the defender pinned right there, and it went in between Shelvick and Bingham. So, I mean, these are the sort of two things. Let's get, I, we have some more stuff uh, I want to hear from Ziggy because he talks about the defense, and this sort of points to my argument about not allowing the first goal. So let's get Ziggy on defense, and we also want to hear from uh, Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic before we finish up the postgame audio. So here is uh, here's Ziggy uh, Schmidt on the LA Galaxy's defense. You can't give up goals in the sixth minute and the first minute of the second half. That's unacceptable. Uh, I think, um, you know, I thought Siani came in and played well. Uh, you know, so I thought over, overall, I thought our defense was okay. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams in this league. The Red Bulls are one of them that do a really good job disguising early fouls. You know, how, 
how Colin doesn't get a yellow card, you know, for stopping a, a counter. You look at, if you look back, you look at the fouls and, and we need to be a little more, uh, uh, maybe a little more deliberate with our fouling in early parts of the field uh, to stop attacks. I know the league will be unhappy to hear me say that, uh, but I think a lot of the teams, you know, you know, do that. Atlanta does it successfully. New York does it. Both New York teams do it. The top teams are, are pretty good about making sure they don't get countered on and stopping plays. And I thought we did a better job of that in the second half. Uh, but again, getting scored on that early uh, was, was the thing that turned the game. If we don't take that goal early in the second half, then we get on top two to one. I was confident we were going to create offense in the second half and we could score goals. All right, there we go. Siggy Schmidt again talking about the defense. Uh, also points out to another blunder and officiating there. I told you about the Sebastian Legette one. There was the Aurelian Collin uh, tackle on, I think it was Ola Kamara or somebody up the field on the on the, uh, on the the near side um, on a little bit of a break, and Collin just swiped him out, and it should have been a yellow card. It was a clear yellow card. Alan Chapman kept the, ball, kept the yellow card in his pocket. That is the other overall theme in this game as well, Kevin, is that the fouls and how they were called were so inconsistent that uh, I know Larry and I were sitting uh, sitting next to each other, and we're like, that's a foul, and then they wouldn't call it. We're like, that's a yellow card, and then they wouldn't hand it out. And then you're like, that was a yellow card, or that was a foul? You just you couldn't get a feel for the game, and that's what I think players, fans, everybody want is some sort of consistency, and there was none as far as I'm concerned in this particular game. You want me to uh, continue on here with uh, Kamara and then uh, maybe some Zlatan? Well, yeah, I mean, when we get to Slaton, he's he's the one that really doesn't speak about the officiating at all. But but while you're talking about that for just a moment, Jesse Marsh, the coach from the Red Bulls, said he thought the game was officiated very well and, oh, and thought that yeah, uh-huh. Chapman did a great job. Well, yeah, I mean, if you win that game, you can sit there and probably go, oh, yeah, it was perfect. But, but, there's... but that, that, that's kind of my point. I mean, it, it's supposed to be, again, going back to it's supposed to be a, a fairly officiated game. Um, it's supposed to be a, an even game. And if you have... One side saying, oh, my God, that was the worst officiated game of all time. And the other side says, no, man, we thought the guy did a great job. Something's wrong. Either either one side is flat out lying. One side or the other is either flat out lying or something's wrong. Everyone should say, you know, that was a, a good tough call by the official. Didn't go our way. But, you know, that didn't cost us the game. We should have been whatever. But both it's like the, these guys are looking at different sides of the elephant. You know, Be- one one person sees one thing and one person sees something else. And it's all the same elephant. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think that uh, these people had the same experience uh, uh, coming out of that. If one guy says that the game was officiated greatly, uh, obviously that's the winning coach. The other side doesn't like it. You know, e- even generally in a case like Jesse Marshy might say something like, um, you know, I, I, calls have gone against me. It's tough to see that happen. Whatever. You don't take the, the win off the board. But on one hand, he's saying it was a greatly officiated game. And the other side saying that the officiating was terrible. So how do you reconcile that? Yeah, I mean, and the other, uh, these are the same people, you know, from New York. They're they're used to seeing atrocities on the subway there, Kevin. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all that they didn't see a mugging uh, that went on during the Galaxy game whenever they're riding the subway seeing crazy stuff all the time. Wow, we're bringing the subway into this. I have a subway story. No, no, you don't. How can, no. how can, you, have a, how can you have a subway story? You know, well, I it's go not, to New York it, sometimes. I was in New York. I think it must have been a baseball trip because I don't know that I've made many soccer trips to New York. And it was one of those subway stops where the subway actually stops basically under the middle of the street. So if you're going in one direction, you come up on one side of the street. And if you're going the other direction, you come up on the other side of the street. And so if you if you get off and you need to go the other way, you kind of have to cross the street. 
So uh, basically, anyway, I went to an, uh, I, I was pretty sure I was going the wrong way, and I needed to know how to get to the other side. So I went up to a newsstand, and I tried to ask the guy at the newsstand, and he didn't speak any English. Um, so uh, that was no help. I, there was a woman sitting in a chair right next to the newsstand, um, eyes wide open, staring straight ahead. And I went over to her, and I asked her the question, do I need to go across the street to get the subway where I need to go? How do I get on that subway going in that direction? I asked her the question three times. She never looked at me. She never responded. She didn't say anything. Her eyes wide open. Finally, I just waved my hand in front of her eyes. She didn't blink. I don't know if she was dead, comatose, or whatever. But th- that was a real frightening thing. I didn't. A- I needed VAR right there because that was frightening. No, I don't think you need VAR. I think I walked home. I think I just forgot <laughs> the subway at that. The first time I ever asked directions that, from a dead person. That that is that is a random story, Kevin. That is that is okay. Yeah, okay. Now they're only and why yeah. we don't need public transportation in L.A. Dead people give directions. I was gonna say that seems like a perfectly reasonable thing. Let's go to Kamara. On his injury, because uh, he had a little bit of an injury that we just found out about. So Kamara on his injury and his form here. This was last last weekend was the first time I, I, I wasn't struggling with my hip flexor. So this has been a week where I've been 100% the whole, the whole week. So it's been, that gives you confidence. And I think people saw that today that um, I've been healthy for, for a week and I'm, I'm, I'm better. Uh, so... I think moving forward, I think it, it's going to be good, and I feel like the chemistry with Gio, especially coming into it, 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 it it's a game changer. All right, so uh, Kamara has a hip flexor injury. We found out that basically he has been dealing with that hip flexor injury since he returned from international break with Norway when he scored those three goals. So, so we didn't know about that injury. We had no idea about that injury. Nobody because knew it's anything. Funny, this appears to be going around the galaxy <sighs> because. I specifically asked Chris Klein two days after uh, Ralph Fletcher had tweeted out or, or Instagrammed out, whatever it was, social media, whatever the kids call it these days, sent out a picture of him at the doctor's office with an arm in a sling. Two days after that, I asked the president of the galaxy whether he was hurt and what the diagnosis was. And I was told that he did not know, that he was waiting to hear from the doctors and the trainers what the uh, situation might be and and what the injury might be and how bad it would be. Um and really had no uh, no comment on that. And that stunned me because this is a starting player for your team. Yes. This is a guy who has been a, a, a big major contributor, a guy that when you signed him, a lot of bells and whistles went off and said, hey, media, pay attention to this. This is a big guy. And now when he's hurt and unavailable, the president of the team cannot speak uh, about how long he'll be out, what the, what he's, whether he's even hurt, cannot confirm whether there's an injury has not heard any injury report. I just find that unbelievable that 48 hours after the guy sent out a picture to the world of his injury that the president of the team had no idea whether or not he was hurt and how long he would be out. And, and of course, this was uh, this was about 24 hours after uh, Corner of the Galaxy's Larry Morgan had reported that it was a torn pectoral muscle um, on his right side. So basically his right pec uh, is torn. And we at that point had given you an injury update and we had... So, so as it goes, we had heard that basically he was going to be out somewhere around three to four months. Uh, in our story, we said several months because we wanted to pad it a little bit, knowing, you know, basically we, we trusted the source. We knew where it was all coming from. We just wanted to be a little cautious with it to see if the galaxy would push back on it or argue with us on any of the stuff and how it goes. Well, I can tell you right now that the uh, that Felcher's saying it's going to be a four, it's going to be four months. All right, so four months without Ralph Felcher for a torn pectoral muscle that apparently happened when he fell over a ball. 
Um, and that's how we ended up getting injured. So the LA Galaxy will be without a right back. Now they have Emra Clementa, who they supposedly brought in to be that backup. But we saw Dave Romney starting over there. So the Galaxy will be without a right back. And I imagine Romney is the starter there for the foreseeable future. Um, maybe for the foreseeable future. There might be some other stuff there as well. So that, now, now, wait a minute. Yeah. Let's go back over this. Yes. It's a torn pec. Yes. A torn pectoral muscle. Yes. And we've all seen Rolf's pecs because he was on the front of that magazine. Yes. So it's a torn pectoral muscle and he's out four months, correct? Correct. Okay, because I got to call Chris Klein because he didn't have any of this information apparently. You're, you're going to help let him know. You're going to help him out. You don't think he listens gotta, to our show? Well, if he if he does, he's getting a lot of information that he didn't have. I'm glad we can help everybody out. That's what we're here for. Um, we anyway, should, we should get a five year extension on our contracts for this show. Well, wow, they could they could they could quintuple our salaries. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how it goes. Um, yeah. So anyway, so that's uh, that's where we are with with Rolf Felcher. There's some transfer window information as well um, and some transfer rumors that are popping up. But before we get that, let's hit to let's get to Zlatan Ibrahimovic talking at the end. He does mention a little bit about VAR. It's not very much. As, as Kevin says, he was pretty diplomatic, but he is hitting home the point that I had, which is the Galaxy can't concede goals early. So here's Zlatan Ibrahimovic after the Yellow Galaxy's 3-2 loss to the New York Red Bulls. Uh, what can I say? It's another game where we need to chase the goal. Just like the other games we played at home. And uh, like I said, uh, the last time you chase the goal, you play different. <laughs> and today we play much different because we, we changed the tactic. I think it was working better. We, we were more solid today. But still, you, you lose the, you're losing the game after six minutes. It's not okay because to receive a goal so fast, chase that... Second half starts, you receive, you consider another goal fast, you need to chase even more. And uh, no, not even more, but you're still chasing. And yeah, we do 2 1, we do 2 2. And I don't know if it was offside or not my goal, but it doesn't matter. I, I never give excuses to or blame the referee because we all try to do good. He tried to do good and we can do better and he can do better if it was goal or not. So. And then we get the considerable penalty against us. Somebody says it was not a penalty. Somebody says yes. If you look at the video, it was no penalty. And I think that even the referee... I'm not sure if he was watching the video. The they VAR. Say, they say that you, he you was. Are, he okay. didn't actually go to watch the physical uh, He didn't go. He, he decided. No, no. They decide on his ear and tell That him it him. was. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's different. Okay, but well, we have to get used to it, but... Like I said, I don't want to give excuse for, for the yellow people on the field. It's all about us. We need to do more, much more. It's not acceptable. It's not okay. And to lose, how many games is it now? Three, four games? Three, is three, the, games. three home games. Three home games. And it's the first time I lose three games in a row. So it is not about only about me. It's, it's a team, team effort. And uh, yeah. We need to do much more. That's that's for sure. We need to wake up. All right, there's uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's how he talks, by the way, Kevin. Everybody should like understand that most of the clips and sports thing they are, are way pared down. But that is actually how he he answers questions, usually in a long winding road. Well, and, and he's got that great accent. And anyone who wants to say, well, he doesn't speak good English, this is like a seventeenth language. I mean, give him a break. You know, um, he grew up speaking two different languages at home. 
Um, his his mother, I think, spoke to him in Bosnian, uh, and then his father, or, or in the neighborhood, he spoke Swedish, and then he learned English and Italian. Speaks a little German. I understand he speaks some French. I mean, um, it, my my Swedish is not nearly that good. So, um, but I'd love the fact that he was stand up about it. I mean, he he's not going to blame it on the yellow people. Uh, which is a great term, by the way. That'd be a, a good name for a, a, a rock band. A rock yellow band, people. Yellow people. I like it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but he's not going to blame the yellow people. He said, "I don't know if I was offside or not." Yes, you know, you were not offside. Um, but he's not going to. That's not going to be the excuse, you know. Uh, and that's a stand-up. You, you hear that from from real leaders who will 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 say, "Oh, you know, the other team got three goals they shouldn't have had." A real leader will come back and said, "Then we should have scored four. And and so I think uh, Ibra is showing some real leadership there. Um, and, and he probably knows, he's probably learned by now that anything he says is going to be blown up. So um, you can have anybody you want talking about the poor officiating. Uh, you know, David Bingham can talk about it. And, and I'm not criticizing him. You know, what he said, I, you know, he feels that way. And, and there, there's a lot of reason to believe that he was correct. But my point is David Bingham can say that and he'll get fined and, and it'll, everyone will move on. If Ebra starts ripping the officials, all of a sudden it's an international incident. So he's very smart to play it cool. He is. He he understands the weight that his words carry. So, doesn't surprise me at all. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's close out the game again. Uh, a game. I think the Galaxy should have won. Um, if you're looking at trying to figure out where this LA Galaxy team is, I think they're a very even team in terms of the New York Red Bulls. Um, so you know, how, whatever you say, they're six. You know, Red Bulls. I think are sixth in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, the LA Galaxy. I think are, are right around the same. Um, whenever you look at uh, at their positioning uh, right now in the Western Conference, they're actually fifth. So. Uh, doing a little bit one spot better than I thought they were. Um, but that's where they sit, you know, in terms of the league. I, I think this team... But they have that negative goal differential, too, which minus is Minus three now, right? Minus three? I think we're at minus three. I have yeah. Every, yeah, minus three right now. Yeah, I mean... And Bingham has not played that bad. It's not like he's given up six goals in a game somewhere along the line. No, he's he, played pretty well. He has played well. There was a stat, and I can't remember the exact stat, so I'll paraphrase it, and I should know the exact stat, so I apologize. But it basically was that last year there were only three you know, three teams that had a goalkeeper that had to make five or more saves in more than like five games. And Bingham has already had to make five or more saves in like in three games. And it's just the beginning of the season. So there's something to, of course, the fact that the Galaxy seem to be leaking goals like a sieve back there. Um, and they need to do it's It's the biggest issue right now is to shore up that defense. And if we're going to talk about that defense, then we have to talk about the transfer window dates and we have to talk about the rumor that's upcoming. So again, uh, the Galaxy lose three to two at New York Red Bull. Uh, not a huge, uh, not a huge. It's not a huge surprise. I thought they were evenly matched. I figured it would be a one goal game either way. It was. It was just in the opposite direction that I thought it was going to be, and I think they got screwed. So other well, than you that, know, but before you move on, I'm just looking at the schedule here. You know, they they won the opener at home. We're talking about home games. Yes. They won the opener two to one. The last four home games of which they've lost three in a row, they gave up three two. Two and three goals. So they've given 10 goals in four games at home, the last four games at home, lost three of the four. Would have lost four of the four if not for his lot time against LAFC. So, um, again, I think Bigham's played pretty well. Yet, you, when you look at it, he's given up 10 goals in four games. That's a lot of goals. Yeah, it's 11 goals if you do all five home games, by the way. So, yeah, I mean, but even when you look at that, I, I think the goal differential on that is still like only a minus two or three. So really, I mean, yes, the Galaxy have given up goals, but they've also scored some goals. They just haven't haven't been on the winning end of a whole bunch of those. Certainly the the two nothing losses, the two nothing to Kansas City, two nothing to uh, Atlanta United, and as somebody pointed out, it was you know three nothing um, to LAFC at one point. 
during that time. So the Galaxy, again, the, the trend of them allowing the first goal is going to be detrimental to their success in 2018. They have to stop doing it. You cannot allow the first goal um, coming out of the first half, and you can't do it in the, in, the, in the opening minutes of the second half either, and that's where the LA Galaxy lost this game, because otherwise, I thought they were good, I thought they created chances, uh, and I did think that the offense did click a little bit, whether or not Ola Kamara likes playing out there or not. All right. Well, and there were some uh, national media people who were questioning whether Zlatan should be starting every game. Taylor Twelman was saying that. I know you got all excited because you're like, see, he, be- he thinks like us. Well, uh, well, things like me. I mean, yeah. that's what I said at the beginning. Now, I've started to drink the Kool-Aid. Zalatan has had won me over. Uh, I think he's playing great. But I get what Taylor's saying. And what Taylor is saying is that um, it, it changes the way the Galaxy plays, having Zalatan out there. And, and I, if I parse the words and read between his sentences, which I'm sure he doesn't want me to do, um, I would say that part of the thing is they just don't know how to use him yet. That by As we talked about with this sort of bizarre formation or unusual formation, I should say, that they used this weekend, a lot of that was caused by they don't know what to do with Zlatan. They don't know where to put him. He's not going to be uh, a midfielder. He's not going to be a playmaker. He can only be a single striker up top. That's what Ola does. Uh, now you move Ola out, and he's a you know you got to keep him in the lineup. He's a winger and productive, scored a goal, but now he's not he's not a winger. That's not his position. And he talked about playing in a 4-2-2. He says he's, he's a, he is a up-top uh, target striker, but he can play in a 4-2-2. He's done that before. Uh, he has not played in this kind of formation that he played in uh, this week. So I think what Taylor is saying is that the Galaxy don't know, they're not comfortable with a spot for Zlatan yet. Bringing him off the, off the bench, as we talked about earlier, he changes the game. I mean, look what he did against LAFC. He changes the game coming off the bench, and that perhaps that is, is again, going back to the, the, the term that we coined, you know, he is a rich man's Alan Gordon, um, comes off the bench and changes everything, and it's very effective. Um, Chris Klein's already talked about that's not what you bring Zlatan over here to do. You don't bring him over here to be a part-time player. Um, maybe, but, if you know, if the team wins, if, if you play Zlatan 90 minutes and you lose the game, um, or if you bring him off the bench and play him 30 minutes and you win the game, at, at what point do you say, well, we gotta we got to play the guy because he's a lot of time. We'll just lose all our games and we won't make the playoffs, but we'll use him the way that we think he should be used. Yeah, I mean, so I was, uh, again, I was with you. Zlatan's a super sub, blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, I expected him to not be able to run. I expected his knee to be very fragile. And so far, what he's gone out there and proven to me is that he's not fragile. He can run and he can play. So if all of those things are equal, who's a better striker? Is it Zlatan or is it Kamara? And so if you're going to put one of them to the bench, should it be Zlatan or should it be Kamara? Should they alternate that? That's a decision you're going to have to make. I would love to see somebody try to sit Zlatan Ibrahimovic down on the bench. I was talking to um, to one of our listeners, and, and by the way, there were so many of you uh, that I got to say hi to at halftime. There were probably 30 or 40 uh, listeners down there I got stickers out and I could say hi to, and it was really great to see everybody. So thank you for coming out. And uh, I tried to get the panda to come down, but he was writing on deadline, so he basically had to write a story at halftime. Um, which he probably had to end up changing because it, it it morphed a little bit. Um, but but we were down there and saying that, and what, I think it was one of the Montgomery's. It might have been Sean Montgomery. There's twins, so I, I don't know. They're, they look exactly alike. They're all brothers and stuff. But what is one of them? And he goes, why shouldn't Zlatan go to the bench and come off? And same thing you said, Kevin. I'll, I'll put My counterpoint is, yes, he changes the game whenever you look at LAFC, but did he change the game whenever he came off the bench against Sporting Kansas City? And the answer is no. 
So don't use one game as sort of your bellwether. I thought the pass to Kamara was excellent. I also thought that his header at the wide open goal was atrocious. Um, so that's stuff I would expect any MLS player to be able to put on goal. And, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic couldn't make that happen. So, you know, I think he's still rusty. He's still working stuff out. I think you have to keep playing him and starting him. And if you have to morph this formation, then you have to do it. But from the very beginning, we knew that bringing in Zlatan Ibrahimovic doesn't fit in this roster, Kevin. We knew that. And the Galaxy, for their way, they couldn't sit there and even if Zlatan said, yes, I'm coming, if his name wasn't signed on a contract, they couldn't sit there and not go get Ola Kamara. Um, so they had to get Ola Kamara, and now it's just a matter of figuring out how these people all work together, and you have to do it without trying to lose Ola Kamara. Yeah, it, it's a it's a difficult situation, and and there are no obvious solutions. If there was, Ziggy would have figured it out by now. Uh, there's there's he's trying to do the best he can with it, and you're right. You're not gonna you know if you talk about you're not gonna sit Zlatan on the bench. You're not gonna have him be the one that moves back to the midfield. Um, that's not going to work either. It's a difficult situation, and and there are egos involved. You know, Kamara is not as um, flamboyant uh, with his pronouncements and his ego as as Zlatan's. Zlatan's kind of turned it into a college, uh, a cottage industry college, into a cottage industry. But when you talk to Kamara privately off to the side, he's a very proud person and a very confident player. Um, and he is saying the right things publicly now, but when you talk to him privately, um, you know, in his mind, it's like, why can't I be the target striker? Why can't Slatan feed me? Why can't I, that's where I play. Look at all what I've done in MLS since I've been here. I'm on the Norwegian national team. And that's why he's good because he believes in himself. I, I would expect him to say that. Um, I would expect him to believe that in his heart of hearts, that he's just as good as anybody else and should be up there. Um, so he, I, I think he does feel like he sat, he felt like two weeks ago when he had to track back and play defense for guys who weren't playing defense, he felt like he was sacrificing his game for somebody else and he wasn't going to throw those players under the bus. Um, I don't know that he feels necessarily sacrificing his game for Zlatan because he's smart enough to know how good Zlatan is. But I do think there is probably something to a thought that you know what I can do that if you guys give me the chance I you know if you take take the the blinders off and let me go after it I can go up and I can get goals too but you guys aren't giving me that chance yeah it's uh it's going to be a delicate balance it's not going to be easy and and quite honestly I don't I don't envy Siggy Schmidt and I will say I think the pressure is is ratcheting up on Siggy Schmidt um there are I, I was talking to uh to someone uh after the game uh, someone who who knows the league very well and and has coached at different points around the league, and uh, they were basically saying, you know, if if there would be lots of coaches who would kill to have the offensive firepower power that the LA Galaxy have right now, and there's a way of making it work, and Siggy Schmidt has to figure out how to make it work, or he won't be here anymore, and I do believe that. Um, I'm not saying that I think Siggy Schmidt is you know on, on uh, the the chance of him getting fired right now is is high. But I certainly think that losing these games is not helping his cause to to try and stay here for long term. And it will be interesting. Somebody, one of our listeners wrote in and said, is this Siggy's last home game? Um, I don't think so at all. I think that, you know, you're going to get a chance to see him on a three-game road trip. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Galaxy catch fire. Curtin Alfo's Galaxy caught fire on a road trip, and uh, and that saved his job for a little while. So I, I think Siggy Schmidt is under less pressure than Curtin Alfo would have been at this time, and I think that probably just comes from experience, whether you think that's fair or not. Um, but I think that the Galaxy are, are are have enough talent. Again, I said it before, Kevin. It was before you would look at some of these games and you would say, the LA Galaxy don't have the ca- talent to compete with these guys. 
Now you look at there, and there's very few teams where I sit there and go, the Galaxy don't have the horses. I think Atlanta's one of them. I think New York City might be another one of them. But you're talking about the two top teams in the league. I didn't think Sporting Kansas City did anything to run the Galaxy over. I think they did a good job of controlling them, but I didn't think that the Galaxy were out-talented, so to speak, in that game. So that's just all these things. It's... It's going to get more interesting if the Galaxy don't start winning, and they need to start winning. It is time. I think that we're about 20% of the way through the through the season already. So you're, you're starting to get to where, okay, all this stuff was starting to build and come together. And granted, you still have the LA Galaxy designated players who have only played, I think, still under 45% of the total available minutes uh, for those players. So there's still there's still some chemistry issues there. There's still some getting to know each other issues there that are, that are certainly interesting. All right, I want to well, go... I, I don't go know ahead. that Ziggy's on the hot seat, but... It has to be said that there is a coach in waiting, that Dominic Kinnear is right there. And and he's not politicking for the job that I know of. I think they, he has a great relationship with Ziggy. But it is a little bit different from last year with Anafo. Um, again, I thought they pulled the this, this, this string on him too early. But there there is somebody there that if they decided to make a move, uh, it would be much more seamless than it was last year. Yeah, very well could. All right, let's go on to uh, a little bit of Galaxy news. Uh, the transfer window is closing. If you're listening to this show on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday is when the transfer window closes. And if I can get this right, Kevin, I don't want to screw this up, but the transfer window officially closes, and you and I were joking about this, the transfer window officially closes at 11.59 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday. That is 12.59 a.m. Wednesday on the East Coast, so Eastern Time, uh, which means that it is, let's see, 11.59 Central Time, Ten what is that, 9.59 uh, on the on the West Coast, I believe. Well, all my math is correct. Now, what league in the in the entire world does anything on Central Time? Nobody does anything on Central Time. People who live in the Central Time Zone, they don't even get the good programs on Central Time. It's on Eastern Time or Western Time, um, Pacific Time. Uh, somebody is going to screw this up. There's going to be somebody who's going to try to make a move, and they're going to do the math, and and everyone's used to. You know, we're used to here, you know, subtract three hours from when the game starts or add three hours if you're on, if you fly from the, you know, if you're looking at a Pacific time start and you're in the East Coast, nobody does two hours. Or why don't they just do it on mountain time? If people in Colorado, you got one hour difference. That's right. Um, you know, or, or in Arizona, you know, their time is different uh, from the other 49 states, uh, you know, for a few months out of the year. What, did you know that North Korea's uh, official time, by the way, is a half hour different from South Korea, even though the two are, you know, they share a border, they're together. Right. But North Korea did not want to share the same, wanted to have its own time zone. So it made up its own time zone. It's a half hour different from South Korea. Um, MLS hasn't gotten quite that far, but it, it's it, on the way. If it's going to start using Central Time for all of its official pronouncements, I was—I I thought that was hysterical when I read it. Anyway, the the primary transfer window, which is closing here on May first, uh, the transfer window is open from February seventh to May first. Uh, people are asking whether or not the LA Galaxy are going to make any moves, and there is a rumor. But I'll tell you right now, the Galaxy aren't going to be making any moves. I don't think it's happening. Uh, This—you can put this right up next to uh, Kevin's Dom Dwyer pronouncement. The Galaxy aren't making any moves tomorrow. It's not happening. They're going to wait, and probably rightfully so, until the summer transfer window opens, or the secondary transfer window, as they call it in MLS. That opens on July 10th uh, and goes all the way to August 8th. And the reason you're going to do that, Kevin, is why? Because it's a World Cup, and nobody wants to move before the World Cup, but everybody will want to move after the World Cup. So your options that you think you have down and are nailed down right now could change drastically by the time July 10th rolls around and the secondary transfer window opens, which is the primary transfer window for the rest of the world. And Chicharito is talking again about getting out of West Ham. West Ham wants 
uh, the 16 million pounds that uh, is owed to Chicharito. They want a majority of that paid before they would allow him to move. I don't see him fitting into the Galaxy plans just from a salary perspective. But those are the kind of players that are going to be moved. There's going to be a lot of good players uh, that are going to be available. Maybe not someone of the degree and quality of Pato, who, as we know, is coming to the Galaxy any minute. Any minute. But, yeah, there will be there will be some people available. And, and so, yeah, I think the Galaxy would, would be – would be wise to wait for that. And by the way, what happened to Dom Dwyer? I missed it. What happened to him? Uh, nothing. He's still at Sporting Kansas City. You're fine. Um, good. Yeah, good. Uh, Where he belongs. Exactly. Uh, he's with Orlando. I don't want anybody to get confused. I always want to make the jokes, and then I'm like, wait a minute, there's going to be somebody who's like, Josh, Josh, Dom Dwyer is on Orlando. Didn't you pay any attention? Yes, I have. Uh, so we gave you an update on the Rolf Felcher industry injury. Let's now go to the big rumor or the rumor that is currently circulating around and it came out in the Italian newspapers and sort of has circulated now and that it's Ignacio Abate could be coming to the LA Galaxy. And everybody, I'm sure some of you are like, who? But he's, he's a well-known right back. Up, oh, right back, you say, Josh. Well, don't the LA Galaxy have right backs? No, no, they don't. Remember, Rolf Felcher's out for four months. So this is already one that at least initially, Kevin, passes the smell test. Here are the other coincidences that also come on, that also start to happen. He's technically signed through 2019 with AC Milan, but they're looking to move him before that, and the current rumor out there right now has him possibly coming on loan to the LA Galaxy, which might be a way for them to fit him under the salary cap, and he'd still be making his money uh, from AC Milan and all those other things. He might be coming on loan to the LA Galaxy after the European season concludes. So this would be after the World Cup, which is why if this happens, you know, it's not happening tomorrow. Well, yes. Interesting because it fits a need, but they did this twice last season. Remember, they they lost Robbie Rogers. It took them forever and a day to figure out what they were going to do. And they brought in Pele Van Anholt, and then he got hurt, and we haven't heard anything from him again. He played uh, fairly well, I think, until he got hurt. And then they just cut, they cut him out. He's gone. I don't know where he is now, but he's apparently not part of the Galaxy's uh, plans. Interesting because he could have fit in right now with uh, with with no, he, Fletcher. Out. He, he couldn't have because he's still coming back from injury. That's why they didn't want to keep him and do it is because they knew he wouldn't be ready. So he's still coming back. Not quite there. Getting closer though. So yeah, with Fletcher out, they they you know there's a chance they can make a moves, but they did it with Van Anholt didn't work out. They also did it when they lost uh, Van Dam. Remember they brought in who yep. they bring in? They Ciani. brought in Michael Ciani. Yep. They brought in another defender in the middle of the year. From Europe, and in both cases, I would have to say maybe the jury's still a little bit out on Siani. I don't think he's been what they expected him to be. Um, so is this, again, once once again, doubling down on a bad idea, or is this the one that finally works out the way it's supposed to? Other coincidences with this Ignacio Abate, um, former teammate of one Zlatan Ibrahimovic. All and right. his nickname is Pato? No, his nickname is not Pato. Here, oh. Here's the big one for me. Here's why this makes some sense. And maybe there's some Zlatan effect in on this. Guess who his agent is? Oh! <laughs> the, the same agent as Mr. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, Mino Reola. Uh, he's also the same agent for uh, Ignacio Abate. Oh, nachos coming. See? We're getting nachos. We're the, getting nachos. This is, I told you, it's a better story once you really look at it. And that's according to Transfer Market, as long as that hasn't changed. But that's what it's... And I looked at that and I said, no, come on. So, in terms of... And again, I've heard nothing, Kevin. You've heard nothing. I don't want to put it out like we know something going on here. Sometimes we can wink, wink, tell you when things are going to happen. And this is not one of those times. We don't know anything yet. We haven't started digging, and nothing. Nobody's popped up and said, "Hey, by the way, have you ever heard of this Abate no, guy?" No, nothing on this side of the Atlantic about that. But that when you when you start to put those pieces together, it begins to look like uh, it's a possibility. 
it fits together really well. You can definitely see that getting down. A lot of these other ones, you just sort of throw darts at a dartboard and see if it, anything happens. This one looks like there's a lot. And, and certainly, you know, with the Yovan and the people in the Galaxy front office spent so much time dealing with Zlatan and his agent that they know these. They know the agent very, very well. And uh, it probably gives him a little bit more of ability to come in, sit down in the office and say, hey, by the way, you should check this guy out. Hey, I didn't steer you wrong. I hung with you and Zalat with Zalatan for three years. Depends on how much Mino wants to get this guy out of Italy, too. I mean, he may have other offers, but certainly if this is a case where this guy needs a place to go and needs a home and needs to play, which is, you know, the case with Nigel Young and Ashley Cole when they came over, they were making money. They were OK. They just wanted to play. If, if that's the case where this guy needs a place to play and wants to get on the field, um, then I definitely think Mino has a, you know, the, the ability and probably the right to come into the Galaxy office and sit down and say, let's talk Turkey. This guy needs a place to go. 31-year-old right back, possibility, uh, an Italian-born, Italian, so they'd need an international slot, which again raises some questions of how you do it. No, you can't loan Rolf Felcher down when he's injured. Uh, the LA Galaxy actually tried to do that with Steven Gerrard. Uh, I was actually told this. I think Chris Klein actually told me this uh, whenever we were talking about loaning people down in order to open up international slots. They actually tried to loan down Steven Gerrard whenever he was injured during that season, and the league was like, no, it has to be a legitimate loan down. Now, they could go out, they could get rid of somebody, like maybe they could get rid of Siani, or they could get rid of Felcher, which would be difficult to do. All these things are Joao difficult. Pedro. Joao Pedro they could get to, who's currently being loaned down. Just actually, see, getting rid of Pedro doesn't help you because he's being loaned down right now, so he's already not counting as an international slot. Um, they could bring Pedro back up right now if they wanted to, because they technically have, I, see, I don't even think that's true. He, just because he's injured doesn't mean that he's off the roster. And so Rolf Felcher is technically holding an international slot right now. The Galaxy could go out and buy one. These are all things that you'd have to look at and try to figure out whether or not that could happen. But it's not as easy as just saying this, this, or that. The easiest way is to go out and buy one, and, and we'll see. So again, Ignacio so, Abate being linked to the LA Galaxy right now. The, the Galaxy has Steven Gerrard. Huh? How did he play? I don't remember any of that. I don't think that happened. Yeah, yeah. It, it slipped my mind. Steven Gerrard got traded for Dom Dwyer. It was crazy. Really? It. Yes. So that now we're Sydney Larue Dwyer because she just follows Dom around. Yeah. Isn't the NWSL great? Whenever a husband of a player gets traded, then that the the, the wife gets immediately traded to the team in the same city. I mean, it happened. It happened a million times. The only time it hasn't happened is with Alex Morgan. Now that Servando's here, but that's only because there's no team in L.A. I expect them to start a franchise just to keep Alex Morgan happy. Yeah, very well could, but yeah, I don't know. That's a, I, I, I do not get to follow the NWSLs as much, and I keep hoping that the Galaxy will, will figure out a way to make NWSL work in Los Angeles, and they'll be the ones to do it, so that way we can cover it, and then I can go watch it. But otherwise, I, it's just not enough time in the day in order for me to do that, so I understand. Well, it. what you need to do is, maybe NWSL, I can understand that, but uh, watch the women's national team. Holy crap, they're really good they're a lot of fun to watch play they I do, soccer is awesome i do get to watch that and it is fun and it's fun because it's a fan thing and i don't have to like actually cover the game and that's always fun too so i i enjoy that uh, tremendously all right uh let's see the yellow galaxy do have a game coming up on saturday this is the first of three away games the galaxy will go from houston to dallas to montreal over the next three weeks uh saturday may 5th is the 5 30 p.m kickoff time with the houston dynamo at bbva compass stadium that game of course will be Broadcast on Spectrum Sportsnet and Spectrum Deportes, and we'll have a live show on Thursday to get you ready for that game. All right. By the way, Optimist Alert, Optimist Alert, is, uh, they have two consecutive shutouts on the road. Oh, so so they're they're trending in the upward direction. And 
Houston is one of the easier teams they're going to face. You have Houston and Dallas, both teams that I think that they should be able to match up and play. Montreal is a question mark because you get to fly so far in order to get there, and God only knows who will actually be there for that because you're starting to get into World Cup departures with, with guys getting ready to leave for the World Cup and will be with their teams a little bit sooner than the actual World Cup starts, usually three weeks beforehand is when it starts. Did the Santos brothers have to get over to Buffalo Wild Wings for the World Cup to start? El Torito. I thought we agreed it was going to be El Torito. El Torito now? Yes, yes, because that's your favorite restaurant, by the way. Yeah, no one sent me any gift cards or anything. El Torito, Buffalo Wild Wings. Come on, you guys. Let's go. I'm going to make up a restaurant. Yeah, who's going to sponsor us? All right? We need a sponsor, and Kevin needs his wings and his tacos. Fried duck. Fried duck. Easy. The Pato doesn't approve. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's get to a couple other things. We have two calls I want to get to, so let's go with uh, Jason in Vegas, uh, and he's calling about the New York Red Bulls game. So here he is. Hi, Josh. This is Jason from Vegas. It was nice to meet you uh, at halftime today, um, the Red Bulls game. Um, I have a question. Um, for the penalty that was given at the end, um, from the TD replays, did it look like a penalty, or did it look like something else? Um, one of my coworkers in our New Jersey office, who's a big Red Bulls fan, was texting me and said that it was a terrible call and thought that it caught his shoulder, not his arm. I um, just wanted to know what you thought about that PK call, and unfortunately it cost us three points, or at least one point. Um, keep up the good work. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Jason. It was uh, nice meeting you as well. Glad that you were able to come in for the game. Um, yeah, I mean, So tell Jason what you saw from staring at Dave Romney's naked back, and keep it clean, please. I... I <laughs> Um, there's a ball mark. You can see where the ball has impacted the skin and it's happened before and we've seen it. And I was really trying to push for those guys to put that picture out. Um, because I thought it would have been, you didn't have to say anything about it. All you had to do was say, you know, Dave Romney's back and just put the picture out. You didn't have to get in trouble. You wouldn't get fined. Like none of this stuff was going to happen. You just put it out there as evidence that again, everybody's wrong. And that's the thing. If you look at the replays, The ball is blurry, right? Because we're not shooting in, you know, 60 frames per second or 120 frames per second. So that way, whenever you really slow things down, you can see it, it's blurry. But I'll tell you this. When you look at the it in real time and how it goes, the ball reacts funny for bouncing off an arm. Um, it just does. And there's something about it, the way you see it travel. And it also travels very deeply. So it travels way into Dave Romney instead of hitting something that's like on the outside of the peripheral. So there's something weird. And Alan Chapman hesitated on the penalty kick call as well. So you had to understand that he was a little confused by the movement as well. And we get into the same thing. If you're not 100% sure, you can't blow the whistle. And I think that's where the air was. The, the replays are, get to be a little inconclusive. But once you understand what you're looking at, it can, it can be very conclusive. Once you know there's a ball mark on his back, you can, t- you can definitely see the ball hitting his back. So that, that Boateng picture is like the Zabruder, the Z- however you say it, Zabruder film yeah. of uh, MLS penalties. It, it's it, like it, w- it took place in the end of the field where the, where the grassy knoll is, too. Yeah, it did. It did, absolutely. And, and one of these days, I'll be on a documentary talking about it. Um, and yeah, nobody will believe conspiracy. me. Every, everybody will think I'm the wacko. I'll have it the was not a lone on. referee. There was a, another referee hiding in a, uh, under a uh, manhole cover. Yeah, exactly. All right, Justin from Dallas calling in uh, again. I love getting all the out of state ones uh, coming in. So calling in about the New York Rebels game, and he has four excellent points. So here is uh, Justin. This is Justin watching from Dallas. Four things. One, obviously the officiating was poor. Two, Geo looked better, which was encouraging. But most importantly, three and four. Three, we were lost for, you know, 75% of that game. No offensive ideas. And four, 
we went down a goal after what 17 minutes or something like that again so we're playing from behind in every single game we seem to be playing in and at some point you know you just need to change the philosophy of the team and I, I look at Ziggy and I say how much longer can we keep doing this thanks for the time all right, Justin. Okay, wait before yes. you even start. Yes, this is part of the conspiracy. You go from our talk about the second, the second referee on the grassy knoll, and then you take a call from Dallas. Uh, I, I just it wasn't. This it, is this is going to be part of the investigation. I'm just telling you that it, right now. Somebody will make a movie about this, and it'll uh, it'll be interesting someday in the future. Okay, Rob Rosenstein, it's Ju- on the case. Justin, Justin's all over this. I think he he hit a bunch of the good stuff. Geo did look better. Uh, the no offensive ideas. I talked about six or seven guys up on the front line, not moving all that much, and no movement, so I agree. Uh, they go down a goal. Again, it's easy, and it wasn't even the 17th minute. It was the 7th minute, by the way, Justin, so it was way earlier than even that. If you look at the whole time, the Galaxy played from behind, basically, for 70 minutes of this game, um, which is uh, it just... <laughs> it's disappointing. It can't continue like this, and this is the major reason for the Galaxy losing these games. Um, the officiating certainly skewed this one, but if you look back at the other games, it's allowing the first goal... And taking themselves out of this. And it's it's the Atlanta game. This team is good enough to hang with an Atlanta team that is hanging four spots on almost everybody. But they're just not good enough to, to win those games. And so you're seeing this team, this Galaxy team, that is in every game. And really, they have been in every game. But they have not been able to do things to put the game away or to seal it off or to win those games. And that has to be a growth spot there. And so you've been asked to get it right. Or I don't know that he's going to stick around, Kevin. No, and, and again, there's a there, you know there's a, a coach in waiting right there, and and again, Dom is not to the best of my knowledge is not politicking and seems to be enjoying what he's doing. But um, it, when you look at the team, you you can talk about the injuries last year, and you can talk about you know uh, Kurt being given all that youth and inexperience and trying to do the best he can with it. Ziggy's kind of in a situation where there isn't a lot of excuses. He built this team in the offseason. This was the team he wanted. Did he get everybody he wanted? Probably not. Messi's not here. Ronaldo's not here. But he got Kamara. He got Bingham. He got most of the guys that he wanted. He built the team that he wanted. He built the depth. He started with the team from the, the preseason. He got to install his his tactics, um, his conditioning programs, all those things. This is what he wanted. Then they add Zlatan to that team that he wanted, to his dream team, and the team is just not performing. Um, and at some point you have to say, Maybe it's not the players. Maybe it's the coach. And I, I, I'm not calling for Ziggy's head. I don't think we're there. Remember, this is the the winningest coach, regular season coach in MLS history. The guy deserves a lot of respect. He's done it. You know, he's been there, done that. He's bought the T-shirt. But when you say the team seems to be having the same problems, falling behind over and over again, not having a clear offensive game plan, seemingly, at, at some point you have to say, is it the coaches or the player? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it, it seems to me right now that Ziggy is good at getting teams to compete. Uh, he always has been. You can see it with the Galaxy. These, this, this is a Galaxy team that is fighting. You, to David Bingham talked about the character to come back. They're a team that fights and they have that character. But where is the tactical discipline that you're expecting from them now? And can Siggy Schmidt give them that? And that's really sort of the next step of this and whether or not any of that is going to work. All right, let's get to uh, some final questions and get out of here. Um, some quick emails. This one's from Richard. Richard says, does the goal from Gio mean he will be called up for the World Cup? Thank you for your work, Rich. All right, what do you think from uh, from Rich? Is Gio getting called up? You know, I talked to some people the other day. At, at, there's another soccer team in town. I went to their game, and I talked to some people there, 
about that. And my theory has been that I don't I haven't seen enough from from either Dos Santos. Uh, Jonathan perhaps more because he plays a position of need for the Mexican national team, and he's played fairly well. I don't know that I've seen enough from either one to say they're a lead pipe cinch, but. Gio did play pretty well. Um, he showed uh, some some flashes of brilliance and some things that the Mexican national team could probably use. I think he's probably back in the picture. Is is he Carlos Vela or Chicharito? Does he definitely get a call up? I don't think I'm there yet. I think another good game or a couple of games in the next two weeks in Texas would definitely help him. Um, he's you know someone that Juan Carlos has taken a lot of looks at. He knows what he can do. Um, I don't think he's cinched it, but I, I do think one of the things I did hear is that if one Dos Santos brother goes, both of them go. Again, the same thing that we've heard here, that they're kind of linked. So if they decide to call Jonathan up because, again, he plays a position of need for them, Gio may go, and he may at least go to uh, the, the pre-World uh, World Cup camp until the cuts are made. And at that point, if Giovanni plays poorly, I think they would go to Jonathan and say, look, we called your brother in. You know, we only have 23 spots. We gave him a shot, and he just didn't quite do it. And th- and then I think there's peace in the family. But if Jonathan gets called up, I guess Gio goes with him at least to camp, maybe not to Russia. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I don't know how it's going to go down. I mean, you'd think that Osorio uh, has a pretty good idea whether or not he's going to bring him up now or not. But the fact that neither of them have been playing makes that a little nervy. So uh, let's continue with another question, and we can get on out of here. Uh, Alberto writes in, and Alberto says, Hey, COG crew, I was wondering what your guys' opinion is on uh, what the Galaxy should do with the number one spot in the allocation order. We've talked about this before. Uh, He says, uh, Should we trade it for assets within the league, pick up a player in the summer transfer window, maybe a Tim Ream or Omar Gonzalez to solidify the back line? What, if anything, do you guys think Galaxy will do with the coveted number one spot. Thanks for considering my question. Have a great day and keep making great content. Uh, I think this is this is one of those, it's a wait and see. It's a wait and see to see what somebody will offer you, maybe what you can trade for it. Um, you know, whether or not there are players like Omar Gonzalez or Tim Ream that possibly could bring back. I don't know that Omar Gonzalez would necessarily be the perfect fit for it, but maybe Tim Ream would. There's a bunch of things that you can consider here, Kevin, without having to you know, do a whole bunch of stuff right now. You have that spot. It's yours. If anybody wants to pick up anybody, they're going to have to come through you. So you have to see what you can get for that in, in terms of that number one allocation order. Well, it, this is an unusual year. It, it happens once every four years as a World Cup. There's a ton of movement after the World Cup. How does that affect the, this particular spot? Well, as teams begin to, to change coaches, as teams move players in and out, if a, a big star decides to leave a team after the World Cup or retire – that whole team's philosophy changes. So there will be a lot of movement this summer, and it's a good year to have that spot because players that no- normally every you know three out of every four years that don't become available, some of them could become available this year just simply because, again, players are going to move. Players are going to, after the World Cup, are going to de- decide that their their philosophy about the how the team plays or how they want to play has changed. So that's a good thing. Another thing is, is you know, again, it, uh, my understanding is that's a tradable spot, right? You can, you can, you can trade that. And so if they decide that uh, um, the Italian Pato wants to come over and they need that allocation spot, that's very valuable to the Galaxy too. So th- this is a very, very good year, I think, to have that allocation spot. Yeah, it could be. And again, it might be that you know somebody makes another move on a different team, and all of a sudden Tim Ream is fully available and open and. Now you want to bring him back in as a as a U.S. you know spot. I think if the Galaxy could use it for a U.S. player that can really impact the game, Kevin, and they can fit it under the salary cap and do all those things, that that's where they need to do it. 
and not have to worry about the international slots and, and some of those things, that, that would be great. But again, you're right. They can trade it. Technically, part of the trade has to be for the other team's allocation spot. So wherever you would go, plus it could be cash and or it could be players or it could be anything else. So Well, who knows? Maybe maybe Christian Pato Pulisic will come over. Everybody's name is Pato now? Is that how it's going to work? Okay, just <laughs> exactly. checking. Just checking. All right. Uh, last... getting all my, I'm getting all my ducks in a row. Um, yeah. <sighs> there needs to be a boo button. Just boo on the... I'll work on it. We'll get it. We'll get it going. Uh, for, for a little <laughs> more uh, Panda and Pato in the morning, fun morning zoo craziness that we've started here. That's um, right. You're, you're in charge of the sound effects. we got to get some sound effects. Sound effects and t-shirts, apparently. So uh, apparently I have to work on the uh, Pando and Pato t-shirts. We'll, we'll work All, on it. I'm, I'm a, every size is extra medium. Every size is extra medium. That's right. Uh, question for today from Jay. He says, this is the second week in a row that we see frustration on Alessandrini's game. Sure, we can say it was because of the disallowed goal, but let's face it, if it wasn't for that goal, it would have been another week he was irrelevant. Do you think the the fact that he is no longer the biggest name on the Galaxy or contributor to the team has affected him mentally, Kevin? Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any question. And he is a he is the the new Robbie Keane. He's a guy that um, I, I like him, I, I, and I like the way he plays. So th- this is not a personal attack. It, it you know sometimes you say a guy's a, a aggressive, and you mean that in a good way. So. Uh, he is a competitor. He's he's like Robbie Keane. He contests every call by an official. He's angry at every pass that goes behind him. Um, Robbie Keane made it work. He wasn't the most popular guy among his teammates, but he made it work. Allison Drini made it work last year, but now he is not the star of the team. He is a complimentary piece. Because why? Because Ola Kamara is on the team. Because Alatan's on the team. Um, and and I think that uh, Allison Drini is having a little bit uh, of an issue with that. There's only one ball in the field at any one time. And if uh, Zlatan has it, that means Allison Drini doesn't. If Gio has it, Allison Drini doesn't. Last year, everything went through him. This year, again, he's a complimentary piece, um, and he's playing a little farther up the field. And he is not the, the the guy who runs the offense. And I think he's having trouble adjusting to it. I don't think he's happy about it. And and I think there's good and bad to that. The good is you want a guy who wants the ball in his hands. You want a guy who wants to score goals and wants to be, you know, he led the team in shots last year. You want a guy like that. On the other hand, you also want a guy intelligent enough to understand that your role on the team has changed because we brought in different personnel. Here's what you want to do. I, I think I'd like to see Allison Drini be upset when he doesn't make a pass or when his pass doesn't hit the guy he's passing it to, as opposed to when people don't pass to him, that seems to be where the anger comes when he doesn't get the ball. I'd rather see him look at his role and say, my job is now to distribute. And I'm angry because I didn't distribute properly. I'll say, if, I'll, if that makes any sense. I'll, I'll disagree with you like on the complete hundred percent, which is always fun. Um, I don't think he's so ang- going to be wrong. In other words. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, just like wrong. you and Dom Dwyer. Um, so here's the thing. Roman Alessandrini had 55 touches on the night. That's one more than Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and that's more than Ola Kamara had. Uh, Roman Alessandrini had a passing accuracy of 47.1%. I think that's the worst on the team. I'm looking, I'm looking. Yes, it is. It's the worst on the team out of all the starters. 47.1%. Roman Alessandrini is angry because he's not playing well. That's why he's angry. And he's angry because they're, because the Galaxy are losing. I don't think he cares about being the guy on the team. I think he wants to win. I think he's a competitor that way. And I think that that's his main issue right now is that the Galaxy aren't winning and they're not playing well. 
Um, and they're not. You can't say that at any point the Galaxy have played beautiful soccer. There's been very little of that. Uh, it's been a lot of ugly, defensive-minded, defensive mistake games. That's what Galaxy fans have seen so far. So, I mean, for Alessandrini, he wants to play good, fluid, moving soccer, and they're not playing that right now. And, you know, he's still getting the touches, and he's not playing very well right now. And, and the fact is, his injury slowed him down and his progression down this year. I think he'll be fine. I think the Galaxy offense, if they can click, will make Alessandrini fine, and he's still going to see a ton of the ball because that right wing is one of their main modes of, of entering uh, you know, the offensive third, and they're going to continue to do that on both wings, and Romney or whoever the right back is will continue to feed Alessandrini. But just, just again, a point, Dave Romney had the best passing percentage on the team with 86.3% passing passing percentage, and you had, you know, Roman Alessandrini with 47.1 on the same side. So those two, they still need some chemistry there to work it out, but Roman's just ticked because he's not playing well. I think that's it. Well, you didn't tell me we were going to use facts in our argument, so that's a little unfair. Is that a yellow card for me then? Is that what, <laughs> it you, is. That's a warning? Is. All right, that's fine. I'll take it. A warning and a yellow card. We'll use VAR to look that back over. Oh, nope, didn't see anything. What do you know? Fake news. Uh, fake news, exactly. All right, that, I think that's it, Kevin. Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about, but probably not on the show. Yeah, I was going to say, that's absolutely a no. All right, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter, head on over to uh, Twitter, at KBaxter11, and of course go to LATimes.com, uh, where you can read all the soccer-covering articles out there, and yes, on occasion he does cover that other LA team as well. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our written articles, our podcasts, and you can read our VAR controversy story over there, which Larry Morgan did an excellent job at. All right. Uh, I think that does it until Thursday night. LA Galaxy have a game against Houston Dynamo on Saturday, May 5th, 5.30 p.m. Kickoff time here on the Pacific time. Uh, Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Fortes. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, the panda Kevin Baxter, I'm Pato Josh Gessman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everyone.